I'm finding it near impossible to come up with an appropriate introduction for this podcast episode because we talk about so much. But I'm sitting down with Stephanie Mara Fox, who is a somatic nutritional counselor, and we dive into hunger, our disconnection with our bodies, what it means to get curious about what it is that we're feeling, why we're eating the things that we're eating in the way that we are eating them. Because when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to what we're putting in our mouths, it is about so much more than the food. So that's another thing that we dive into. Like I said, this episode is really robust. We talk about other things. Um, why fat is not a feeling. You've heard that before on one of the episodes with Joe Ivan. We talk about how healing body image does not start with self-love. And one of our favorite things, Stephanie had a really fun time talking about this, body image grieving. So if any of this sounds like it will be helpful, and believe me, no matter who you are, what your experience is, what your background is, where you are at in your nutrition journey, you're going to take something away from this episode. So please check it out. Reach out to Stephanie or myself if you have additional questions or topics that you would like us covered. Stephanie also has her own podcast called Satiated. I have put links to her website and her amazing podcast in the show notes. You guys sit back and enjoy and I invite you to get curious with yourself. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to Here's the Deal today. I have such a treat for you. My friend, Stephanie Mara Fox, is going to talk to us today about somatic nutritional counseling, along with so many other things. I really feel, Stephanie, we're just going to chat about all the things. Um, We have talked about body dysmorphia before. We've talked a little bit about disordered eating. Um, So I just want to let you know, we've talked a little bit about some of this, but I want to do a deep dive with you today. Starting with Stephanie, can you tell us about who you are and what sort of nutritional counseling you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So first, really excited to be here with you today. I'm just like jazzed to dive in with you. And uh, so I'm a somatic nutritional counselor. So my background is I have my master's degree in body psychotherapy, and I've also studied a ton around nutrition, just have uh, certifications as a mind-body eating coach and nutritional uh, coach and uh, also am a certified yoga teacher. So I've always felt like the mind-body connection was this missing piece in nutrition. Like I came into uh, my somatic psychotherapy program being like, I'm going to be the girl that infuses nutrition with somatics. And like everybody in my cohort knew it. And I was just like, this has just been my path. I've always been super excited about it. So what is somatic? So somatic means relating to the body as something separate from the mind. And so what somatic eating is, how I define it, is it means tuning into your body to discover what foods resonate with your unique system by attending to your sensations and your bodily reactions. 
So a lot of the work that I'm doing with my clients, and I think that there's a lot of the time when my clients get to me, they're so confused. You know, there's so much information out there and they kind of feel very disconnected from their body, especially when they're trying to heal from something in particular. They're like, well, I was told I need to eat this particular way. And so maybe they've even been trying to eat a particular way for a certain amount of time and they just are being pushed further and further away from body trust. I'm welcoming them back into their body and being like, okay, we're dropping all the rules. And my first step always is let's cultivate a sense of awareness. We cannot change what we're not aware of. And so we start with this sense of awareness of just like, okay, I want you just to eat, eat whatever, eat whatever comes to mind. Like even don't even change anything about what you're eating for the next week of us working together and start to notice, start to observe how do foods digest in your body? How do they assimilate? What reactions do you notice? What symptoms do you notice? And so we just start to get this sense of awareness of, okay, I'm eating food. How does my body react to that food? So that you get to start to learn that your body is talking to you and your body is going to give you all the messages you need around what foods resonate with you and what does not. Wow. And that's got to be really empowering for someone who comes to you totally confused and then they can learn to trust their body again. Yeah. I I think that, you know, like, I think it's gotten worse since I first started this work. I mean, even like we have like the paleo thing and the keto thing and like all of these things that have especially come up in the past couple of years, it's made people even more confused that now there's like a sense of fear around Mm -hmm. just eating and getting it wrong. Uh-huh. And like people, like at the core, individuals just want to feel like they're taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we have so many conflicting messages that it's hard to even feel a sense of trust of you're taking care of yourself the best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like it's such an empowering experience of saying, I don't need to rely on anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't need to rely on an external professional or a diet or anybody to tell me what to eat anymore because my body is going to give me the messages of what works for me mm-hmm. by attending to my energy levels, by my reactions, by my sleep mm-hmm. levels, by how my body talks to me through digestion, through my bowel movements, yeah. all these things that we get to start to track and notice, mm-hmm. like what supports you in entering into a sense of flow mm-hmm. and a deeper connection. You know, if there's something that ultimately pushes you further away from yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's a message right there that Mm -hmm. something isn't potentially working for you. If you feel further away from yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, I see every single eating experience as an opportunity to deepen into connection with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So then there's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong thing to eat. Mm -hmm. It's like every single eating experience is a learning opportunity where it's just like, oh, who's showing up today? Who's even eating right now? Who's making these food decisions? What what can I learn about myself by like eating this cookie right now? If a cookie wasn't good or bad, like what could I learn about myself just by eating a cookie? And like who made this decision to eat this cookie and how is it digesting in my body? And what is even affecting me digesting this cookie by me telling myself I shouldn't eat the cookie? (laughs) So that's just like an example because we start to dive into all of the factors that like affect our ability to even digest and assimilate a food because it's not just, um, okay. I also want to bring up of like, there are things that get in the way of somatic eating. 
Where it's like, hey, if you have gone through a sense of trauma, you feel like unregulated in your nervous system, like you feel ungrounded or disembodied, or you're using a lot of coping mechanisms, like it actually takes time to get to a place of like somatic eating where you feel safe in your body and actually be able to hear like the messages that I'm talking about can come through. That does take time. Yeah. Well, I can totally see that just in my own experience with therapy when, um, you know, I'll, I'll say something and we'll talk about an emotion and she'll ask me, where are you feeling that? At first I was like, I don't know where I'm feeling that. I don't know. Like I'm not connected. So I can see how this could be so foreign to someone or like you said, especially if they've had trauma in their lives and they needed to disconnect to um, survive. Wow. And I also love, you know, there's such a, a great thing about being a yoga teacher. I feel it's so much, it's so yoga, like to be the observer, to mm-hmm. take that bird's eye view and allow yourself to just watch without judgment. I think yoga applies to everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, a lot of the time I'm working with my clients to like detach from the inner story. Mm. There's so many stories we have about our relationship with food and how we're showing up with it. Yes. It's like, okay, this is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. And I'm like, let's detach from the story. Like, yeah, be the observer. Like, oh, this is really interesting. Oh, look, my perfectionist is showing up right now. Like, hi, perfectionist. Welcome to the table. And like, actually, like it brings in more of a sense of play. I'm really all about play in our relationship with our body and food. So when we kind of enter into that space, we enter into a relaxation response. It's a lot easier to hear our bodily messages when we're in a parasympathetic nervous system. It's a lot harder to hear our messages when we're not in that space. Right. And, you know, you briefly mentioned digestion. How is my body reacting to this food and assimilating this food? If you were in a constantly stressed state, you're, you're not digesting your food properly. So you will feel discomfort. You will feel bloat. You will not absorb the nutrients the way that you should. Oh. It's such a, this is such a very big topic. (laughs) So with this being said, like who's coming to you? How do I know I got to schedule my consult with Stephanie? Yeah. uh, So I find that a lot of the individuals I work with, they just feel like they have this broken relationship with their food and their body. Uh Uh, Some patterns that may be showing up are like binge eating, overeating, uh, even under eating and like restriction, uh, body image concerns. So a lot of body judgment and uh, like, again, no judgment here of any of those things happening. They're all protective mechanisms. I really, truly, I have a very different perspective. I even don't tell my clients to like, if they're emotionally eating, I don't even love calling it like emotional eating. I've actually been trying to use the term stress eating more often because we are emotional beings. Every time we eat is an emotional experience. Even if you're like content, that is an emotional experience you're having while you're eating. So I'm, I'm trying to like reframe that a little bit, but it's a very popular word to say emotional eating everyone kind of knows what that means but when you feel like you're emotional eating like a lot at night I'm like great let's get curious around that like let's not see it as a problem that we have to like fix you are not broken you are not something to be fixed and so it's just like actually could we see that this is showing up for a reason and if we just try to take it away from you like it's kind of like a baby blanket 
if we took the baby blanket away from the kid, the kid is going to be like hysterically crying, being mm-hmm. like, give me my baby blanket back. It's giving me a sense of soothing and comfort and it's there for a reason. And so it's like, we first have to get curious how that pattern is serving you in your life, what it's protecting you from before we start to try and make a change around it. So first, again, that piece of awareness, let's cultivate awareness of how this habit and pattern is serving you in some way. And then change gets to happen from a place of self-compassion, from self-curiosity, from self-kindness. And that is a much like a more solid place to make change from because Mm -hmm. it comes from an internal place of uh, like a self-empathy instead of an, an external place of, I've got to get rid of this, or this person is telling me this is a problem, mm-hmm. or like I'm judging myself externally for what I'm going through. Right. Um, you know, long-term, that pattern is going to show up again because mm-hmm. it was there for a reason. And if the underlying reason isn't addressed, mm-hmm. it's gonna, those patterns are going to sneak up in different places in different ways until it gets the attention it wants. This is so amazing. Uh, there's crossover between this and topics I've covered with other guests and different things, but specifically when it comes to like hormonal issues, we have to get to the root cause of the issue. Oh my gosh, this is so great. And I want to touch on what you said about with no judgment, because I'm pretty sure you and I do what we do because we have struggled ourselves in, in this area So can you talk about that, like your own personal struggles? I I guarantee you any client that comes to me that says they did something over the weekend with regards to food, I've done it. I've had the disordered thoughts. I've had the disordered behaviors. What is your backstory? Why, why are you so passionate about this? Yeah. So I spent probably a decade of my life healing from intense digestive pain. Even at like 21 years old, I had a colonoscopy and endoscopy done because Crohn's and colitis runs in my family. And we wanted to rule out that there was like a digestive like disease happening in there. Luckily, I was fine. And uh, yeah, and so like all they did was they diagnosed me with irritable bowel syndrome and sent me on my way, said like, watch your triggers. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, I really had to kind of figure it out for myself Mm -hmm. of like, okay, why are these digestive symptoms happening? And even kind of as I went down the path of like all the things you can think of that people even recommend these days of, you know, cutting out certain inflammatory foods or foods that I could potentially be sensitive to and probiotics and all the things. I even ended up going to get my master's degree and my thesis that got published is how to cultivate a relationship with the gut brain. So like (laughs) this has been a driving force in my life. Like there is a brain in my gut that is talking to me. But at some point it got to the point where it was like, this actually really isn't about my food anymore. There's something deeper happening here that I really have to attend to. And then it was me working through my own trauma Mm -hmm. from things that have happened to me in childhood Mm -hmm. and how I was also personally using food to emotionally self-soothe, which I did for a really long time. So when people talk to me about like just that, that like that wolf that takes over and it's just like, you have no choice, but to eat this thing. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I've totally been there. I've been in that moment that you're talking about, (laughs) like you have no other choice on the table. You have got to eat this whole thing. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I come from a lot of compassion myself into this work and I'm so passionate about, 
I spent so long in such a dark place and I feel very, I feel immense amount of gratitude for where I am now. And I feel also very lucky and grateful for the people who have supported me on my path mm -hmm. towards healing. Uh, Cause we cannot heal in isolation. No. I so many individuals on my path to support me and getting to me where I have no digestive pain whatsoever in my life now. And I, yeah, I have a sensitive digestive tract. I was born as a very sensitive person just yeah. coming into this world. Yeah. And I've also had to kind of uh, cultivate a sense of acceptance of your sensitivity mm -hmm. so that when even my gut starts to like feel a little bit rumbly or like something's happening, I'm like, okay, you're talking to me. Thank yeah. you so much for talking to me. And like, there's a totally different relationship there where there's not a problem. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're just, there's something that I'm emotionally trying to process right now that didn't really sit well in my day. And yeah. I've had to get like a lot more vocal like, you know, I would shove, shove down my own emotions a lot. Yeah. I know how to do that well. And so there were tools that I needed to learn. And now it's like, I have a system and tools that I offer other individuals so that, you know, I, I see it. It's, it's not just about the food. It's like, we kind of got to dive into all of the other things for your healing to occur. Mm -hmm. What I love so much about what you just said, first off, I love talking about it's not just about the food it's never about the food but when these things pop up it is our body trying to talk to us like listen to me i i have something to say but let's listen to that voice that needs to be heard oh yeah this is so good stephanie <laughs> So, um, so Stephanie I, has her own podcast, you guys, and you need to go to Spotify, Satiated. Is, is that the name of it? Yeah, it's called Satiated. Satiated, how appropriate. It's great nuggets. Just every Saturday, she releases them. There's a few that I've listened to lately, and I want to talk about a lot of them <laughs> with our time that we have available. Can we talk about how healing body image does not start with self-love? Yeah, so... You know, a lot of also what I'm working with my clients is a lot of the symptoms that are coming up, like intense body judgment, like, like, let's talk about digestive issues, for example, that like, when you put when you judge your body, your body goes into a fight or flight response, digestion shuts down. So you think that it's a digestive issue. But actually, if we kind of track it back a little bit, it's starting from the intense judgment you're putting on your body to be something that maybe it doesn't want to be. And so it's you're putting the pressure on yourself to like change your body shape in a way that your body's like, that's just not possible, dude. <laughs> you know, and so then body shut down, digestive issue happens, but you're attending to the surface level issue of the digestive pain. And instead of like the self-judgment that's coming up. So when I talk about body image doesn't start with self-love. Yes, it's a piece of that journey, but it doesn't start with that. Mm -hmm. It actually starts with first, like a sense of curiosity. Yeah. What is my body here to teach me? Oh. Even, even like body respect. I feel like this term of like body love has gotten so big that it feels daunting and unattainable mm -hmm. that it's like, actually, can we just start with like, I respect that I have a body, right? I have a body and like my body has needs. Mm -hmm. It like needs to eat. It mm -hmm. needs sleep. Like these are things that help it to function. Mm -hmm. And I can't be here if I don't have this body. 
So I think it just starts with the like acceptance of having a body mm -hmm. and that your body is talking to you and has needs. Mm -hmm. It actually doesn't start with, I need to love this body. Yeah. That may come later down the line. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of a big ask, that's really. Big. Yeah. Um, I love this because before we hit record, we were talking about how, you know, when is it okay to still have physique goals if we're trying to come from this place of curiosity? And I want to bring up this digestion thing in terms of cert certain clients that I work with. Let's say you guys know I do the macro thing. Let's say you're hitting all your macros, you're getting your sleep kind of, um, and you're doing your workouts. But if you're eating things and judging yourself and you're shutting down your digestion, you're eating in this stress state, you're never going to reach those goals that we have to focus on this stuff first even if you are doing a macro thing or following any sort of plan. I think you can kind of bring the two together somewhat anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what we were talking about is it goes back to intention. Mm, yes. I think that people get confused because the intention isn't clear. Where it's like, okay, if we get clear on the intention first, mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, what is my intention, for example, lifting weights? Mm -hmm. Is it because I feel like I need to change my body and mm -hmm. I'm judging myself and I'm telling myself this is something I have to do? You actually won't receive the benefits from that physical movement because you're forcing yourself to do it. Whereas instead, if your intention is, I love myself or I respect myself, uh, lifting weights helps me feel empowered in my life. I love the way that lifting weights makes me feel, not from an external appearance stance, but the internal, I love how it makes me feel in my body. You know, then you're doing it from a place of self-empowerment, not from a like, I'm trying to change my body and I'm supposed to look a certain way. It's just like, no, like, lifting weights makes me feel like I'm a badass. And wow. so like, that's why I want to do this because it makes me feel really confident in my life. Oh my gosh. So just a quick story about myself really quick. I used to be this chronic over-exerciser um, after I graduated college, I probably started in college, but then when I was working and I remember like th thinking I had to get up super early to like go to a spin class and I would also work out after work, of course. Um, yeah. But I hated every second. I if I hated every second of it, but I was definitely doing it for all the wrong reasons. Of course, I was not reaping the rewards of all of my cardio. I mean, nutrition aside, no matter what, it was just the wrong way to go about it. Even if I had like maybe even kept that same schedule, but done it because, oh my gosh, I love going to spin class all the time. I don't know. But the intention was not, was not good. I was trying to change myself because I was judging myself so hardcore. Yeah. Wow. Well, what about, um, why is fat not a feeling? Let's talk about that. Hey, Stephanie, how are you feeling today? You can't say fat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, of course this needs to happen right now. Like, of course my internet needs to like totally go down. So if you keep this part, like, okay, everything happens for a reason. I was like, <laughs> Okay, how do I like practice right now? Being like in a relaxation response, being like, of course, of course, my internet needs to go down right in the middle of us recording this. That's what happens. And we're easy breezy. Look, look how we've grown as people. We would have freaked out about this 20, 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were talking about why fat is not yeah. a feeling. 
and then my internet totally cut out. It was lovely. Uh, so my, I just want to dive right back in that yeah. okay, so with that fat is not a feeling I, you know, I think that this is a phrase that got really popular of just like saying like, oh, I feel fat today. Mm -hmm. And there is just layers and layers of just like fat phobia and like how this is shaped by our culture and all sorts of things around how this phrase just like shapes our interaction with ourselves and others and our experience of our body. But let's just go into it for a second why fat is not a feeling is that like ultimately like fat is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like one, because uh, I've worked in the past in uh, the eating disorder world, like you need fat on your body to be alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yes. this is something that you need on your body to be here. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we get to first, like, kind of reframe that fat is your friend. You there you it. go. It is your ally. And that also fat is, um, it's, it's something that's in food mm -hmm. and that those foods actually with all of our macronutrients, like that is a major macronutrient that we need to be eating. Mm -hmm. And I think that the whole like decade long, or, you know, it's gone longer than that of just like fat makes you fat, yeah. got really confusing because it doesn't. <laughs> and so there's been having to do a lot of relearning mm -hmm. about that. So ultimately, if you are a person who says, I feel fat today, pause, pause when you say that, get really curious and say like, wait a second, okay, if fat is not a feeling, how do I actually feel right now? You gotta get underneath what is under, under that. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, if actually I need fat, I love fat, I appreciate fat, fat is yummy. <laughs> like I want to eat fat, but it's just like, okay, actually I feel really heavy. Like I feel emotionally heavy today. And what is like emotionally weighing me down? Uh, is it actually because I'm judging myself? Yeah. Is it actually like I am in a space where uh, emotionally, like I'm having a hard time processing something? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is it that you're trying to actually avoid something mm -hmm. by saying like, okay, I feel fat today. It's pushing away the emotions so that you don't have to attend to the things that are trying to come up and get your attention. Mm -hmm. And the way that I like to see our emotions is kind of like, if, if you have a kid in your life or, or even an animal or a pet, uh, you know, they're kind of like a, a whining thing in your life, like a small child. They're like, Hey, listen to me. Like I have something really important to say. And like, I just need your attention right now. Or like, if you have an animal, like I have a puppy and like, you know, when he wants my attention, he like whines at me and nudges me. And he's just like, I really need your attention right now. I like, I need something that they're going to keep doing that. They actually are going to get louder if you ignore them. The child is going to maybe start screaming and crying and like they're actually, their expression will get bigger. Mm -hmm. So the longer that we do not attend to our emotions, the actually the bigger that they get. So that by the time that you feel ready to attend to the emotion, mm -hmm. it might actually more feel like a tidal wave. Instead of just like, okay, you know, I, I like to kind of also see our emotions like water. That, yeah. like there are many different phases to it where you got the babbling brook you got maybe more of the choppy rough waters that like the longer you wait to attend to the emotion the bigger that tidal wave gets where yeah. then by the time you're attending to it it feels really big and really intense and it kind of feels a little scary to navigate mm -hmm. so if we actually take the moment when we say i feel fat to attend to what is underneath mm -hmm. you move that emotion through your body a lot faster 
your body doesn't have to hold on to the emotion for you. And you're like, I'm going to attend to this right here and right now. And I know it feels counterintuitive because like, you're like, oh, okay, but this, this feels icky. Like, I don't want to feel this, but actually if you go into it, it, the ickiness passes through you a lot quicker. It's so true. I was listening, this is probably a year and a half ago. I was listening to a podcast with Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss. And this topic was brought up. It's like, you can deal with it then, or you can deal with it later. And if you deal with it later, it's going to be a lot bigger and a lot messier and a lot harder to deal with. This is so great. And I like to make a point to everyone. They're probably all sick of hearing me say it. Please, please go to therapy because this is where I learned to feel my feelings. I didn't know I wasn't feeling them, but I was, I didn't, I was disconnected. I wanted to feel good all the time. I'm like, no, I'm this positive mindset person. I'm going to reframe everything. Well, that's not actually very helpful. It can be, but you need to feel them. Yeah. So go to therapy. Yeah. Therapy has been the biggest asset in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, I grew up in a time where it was like, oh, don't tell people you go to a therapist. And like, you know, it was still kind of this, like a little bit of a shameful thing. So if I can normalize as much as possible that like therapy is great, but I will add the stipulation, find a therapist you click with. Oh, hundred percent. If you feel like you go to an initial session with a therapist or a counselor or a coach or anything, and you just don't feel like relaxed or you don't feel like you can fully show up as yourself, that's actually really important so that you need to enter into a relaxation response and feel a sense of safety and trust with who you're talking to, whoever that person is, so that you can actually get to the deeper healing you need to do. And if it's not a good fit, it's, it's nothing wrong or bad with the two of you. It's just, we're not meant to like fit with everybody. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Even, even with, um, I mean, you and I are kind of similar, but we're totally different. And so you may start working with me because you think you need macros, but that's actually not what you need. And what you need is somatic nutritional counseling. And I want, I want that to be like known macros may not be for you. Paleo may not be for you. You might need, you probably need somatic nutritional counseling. So find uh, your nutrition person that also you can be open and vulnerable with because they, your nutritional person needs to know everything as well. Yeah. I really believe that we need all the people who have chosen this profession as, you know, helpers or whoever, however you want to call them, like every single person serves a purpose in your journey towards healing. So you might even be with a certain practitioner for a period of time. And when you start to notice that you're not really making any forward progress anymore, like it's, it's nothing bad or wrong about each of you. You've just gone as far as you can with that person. And it's actually time to find a different practitioner that can get you to that deeper level or get you to that next step that you want to go to. So it's like, okay, yeah, at some point in someone's life, I may be the perfect person for them. And then at another point in their healing, you may be the perfect person for them. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's honoring where you're at on your healing path and getting really super clear. Where am I right now? What are actually going to be the best tools for me that I need to heal what I'm going through right now? And then when you get to a place where you're like, oh yeah, I've totally healed that. 
Like, yeah. okay, is this person that I'm working with the same person who can get me to the next level? And if not, there might need to be like a conscious ending of that relationship. Thank you so much for getting to me where, to where I needed to go yeah. and finding the next person who's meant to come into your life. That's beautiful. I totally agree with you. Wow. And I'll be totally candid with you. Um, you know, I coach the macros, but I'm a little sick of tracking my own macros. I don't need to do it. I only do it because I'm a macro coach. I'm ready for the next level for me. And then that will also mean that I can help people with that next transition because you have to trust yourself without any external. Like I fully believe what you say. You have to know what to eat without putting something in my fitness pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it also, um, I just want to normalize. It goes back to that intention. Yes. That, so I think that there's also, also for a lot of people, they're like, they feel a sense of shame. Like, oh, but I use fitness pal or I still weigh myself and aren't I supposed to throw out my scale? And I'm like, okay, let's get clear on why are you using these external tools? Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the, does this bring you closer to yourself or does this actually push you further away from yourself? Like I've even had individuals utilize the scale where I'm a big proponent of throwing out the scale and actually tell a lot of people to do that what? so they can, or at least hide it somewhere <laughs> so you what? get like a break from it so that you can start tuning into your body. But it's a tool. If we just take away all the labels from it mm-hmm. and even say that the number doesn't really mean anything, that it's like, okay, if you need to see that like, oh, okay, as you're trusting your body, like your weight really isn't changing or maybe it is and like okay what are the stories that then come up that we actually like okay then this tool is supporting us and bringing up the stories to work through the stories to get you to a deeper level of self-respect and self-acceptance and so it's just a tool that like will bring a lot of information either way and so if you want that tool in your life to bring in a lot of information it's just a data point just a data point Right. That we get to utilize and that it's just like, okay, no shame, no guilt, no judgment, use it, but let's get curious about how it's being used in your life and what's coming up for you and using this tool. Oh, it's so good. The next thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, body image grieving. Mm. Tell me about (laughs) this concept. This is one of my like literally favorite things to talk about. (laughs) So I'm actually really glad that you're bringing this up. So I think that a lot of the time we go into a sense of like, okay, I understand that maybe my relationship with my food and body is not where I want it to be. And you might reach out to someone like me and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to heal this relationship that I have with my food and body. And so we start kind of doing the deep inner work to do that. And a lot of the time, the ways that you've been interacting with your body, the, even the beliefs you have around your body and food, we have to say goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. For you to step into a new ex- like self-expression of you, that yeah. means that something has to be let go of. And so it's saying like, it, you know, okay, like this belief that I have about my body, I actually have to say goodbye to. And The reason that belief came into your life, it came into your life at a time when you probably needed it. Like it gave you a sense of control in your life when maybe something externally fell out of your control. It gave you like a sense of safety and protection from an uncontrollable world. And so thinking that like, I just need to change my body and that's going to be the answer. 
actually like felt so safe and protected to believe that something was in your control. Mm-hmm. You could just attend to your body and do something about that. And to actually say like, okay, actually changing my body, it's not the answer anymore. Mm-hmm. I actually have to embrace me exactly as I am right now. We have to grieve and say goodbye to a pattern, to a mm-hmm. habit, to a belief that has been there for you for 20, 30, 40, even maybe 50, 60 years of your yeah. life yeah. that has been serving you and protecting you in some way and grieve that. Mm-hmm. Because that some like it's it's not saying like oh this is wrong this is bad I've been doing it wrong for this amount of time no not at all you needed that belief you needed that pattern to get you through all the like yeah. excuse my language but shit that you've yeah. been through yeah. in your life to like be able to get to where you are now mm-hmm. so there's a grieving process and mm-hmm. saying goodbye to ways that you thought you were supposed to look yeah that you thought you were supposed to eat things that you thought was going to heal you, but didn't. And there can be a lot of sadness there. Like, for example, um, sometimes uh, with my clients, we're saying goodbye to their patterns of like uh, binge eating Mm -hmm. or or like overeating. And that, that actually felt very protective. Like they were never taught how to maybe be with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And so it actually feels very intense to say, no, I'm not going to engage in this pattern. Like this actually doesn't serve me long-term. And so to actually set up that boundary, that means that all the emotions that that pattern has been covering up need to come up and be addressed and felt and seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And so like grieving, you may need to cry in that space. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I even tell my clients, you may need to throw a freaking temper tantrum. Yeah. get down on the ground and like throw a temper tantrum and thrash around being like, I want to engage in this pattern so bad. But like, I know that it's actually like, I'm just going to continue the pattern and it's not going to get me to where I want to go. So we actually need to like feel, feel the upset, feel the grief over like, I I have to set a boundary that actually this pattern isn't going to support me long-term anymore. And I'm really upset about that, that this thing that I thought was going to protect me I'm actually realizing is keeping me from living my life now. I love this. Within my coaching, um, we talk about, you know, who, which voice are you listening to? And with this scenario, you know, I hear the white, the toddler, give me, give me, I want, I want, I want, but I want it. I want it. But then the parent, the wise, loving caregiver come, come in and say, I know you do sweetie, but this isn't going to serve you long-term. Yeah. And you have to realize Tune in to the voices. Which voice do you want to listen to right now? Yeah. I also like to relate it to, because uh, this is, you know, it's, it's kind of easier when we kind of externalize something. Because mm. it's a lot easier to cultivate compassion for other individuals often than it is for ourselves. Very so, like, it's, you know, if you saw a kid running around with scissors, you know, like you, you take those scissors out of that kid's hand. No problem. You'd be like, I am, and they might be upset, but you're like, I love you and care for you so, so much mm-hmm. that I, I cannot allow you to run around with scissors because I'm putting the care and safety of your body as a top priority. And so it's like, I know you're upset and you want to run around with the scissors right now, Mm -hmm. but that isn't just, that's just not safe for you. So it's kind of the same thing that when you realize a pattern isn't serving you anymore, it's like, Hey body, I know, or mind, I know you're really upset about this right now. And, but I am putting the care and safety is you as a top priority in my life that I need to say no. And I'm here 
I'm listening. We can be upset together in this, but I'm still not going to engage in that pattern because it doesn't feel safe to you long-term. I have a couple people in mind that I want to use that analogy with. And, um, cause that sounds like the perfect scenario for a client who would come to you and say, I don't know why I keep doing this. It sounds like that is the conversation that needs to be had. Cause I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Like you see yourself, you're observing and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I can't stop putting my hand in the box of Ritz bits as I stand in front of this pantry. I wonder why I'm doing this. You, know I mean? like, yeah. you need to grab the scissors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it's also like, it goes back to that piece of awareness. Yeah. Like even what you're talking about is you now have the awareness of like, oh, look, I'm doing this again. <laughs> and like this still isn't serving me. But sometimes you need to like, again, no shame, no judgment, no guilt. Sometimes you need to be eating that thing over and over and over again and be like, oh, wow, this still isn't making me feel the way I want to feel. Oh, yeah, it still isn't making me feel the way I want to feel. And you do it over and over and over again to collect those data points. Okay, yeah, this still doesn't make me feel like good in my body. And so then there gets to a point to like, then the curiosity comes in of like, huh, why am I still doing this? You know, so that that's, I think, where change gets to start to occur. And I want to add, so... Um, this is something that I also love to teach and it's something that I learned in graduate school. Uh, it's one of like my favorite teachers in graduate school, Christine Caldwell. She created something called the moving cycle. Uh, you can Google it. It's like a, such a great resource. And the way that I apply it in my work is that it goes uh, awareness, ownership, appreciation, and action. So how I've kind of adapted it to my work is we can't change what we're not aware of. And then we also can't change what we don't own and appreciate. So you need to own it first. You need to be like, I eat emotionally. Like I I am eating these Ritz crackers again (laughs) when I don't like, I don't physically need them. And I'm like trying to kind of self-soothe right now. And like, you actually need to own the pattern before you can change it and then appreciate it. Oh my gosh, while you're in it, thank you so much for Ritz Crackers for showing up right now and helping me navigate this situation with more ease. I'm so glad you're in my life, Crackers. Like, thank you so much for helping me. Like, actually appreciate the pattern. And then you get to start to move towards action where it's like, okay, I've now cultivated awareness. I have ownership and appreciation of the pattern I'm engaging in. All right, how do I want to change this now? And that's where I really like to kind of go through with my clients of then we go into the deeper work of like what is getting in the way of the change piece. Mm. So, okay. Million dollar question. What is it? Like, what are you seeing? Is it a worthiness thing? What, what is it? Why are not, why are they not changing? Yeah. I mean, it could be a a bunch of different factors. I think trauma is a big one. I think I, you know, and attachment of just like a lot of, so one of my favorite questions. So if you come and work with me, you're going to be asked this question in in our intake. So I asked someone, what was their parents' relationship with their food and their body? What was role modeled to them as a kid? Because that was like, we're just like, we observe, 
You know, we're like, we don't give kids enough credit for just how intelligent and smart they are. They look around, they observe, they collect information. They're looking around and they're like, oh, okay, mom's judging herself in front of the mirror again. That's what we do. We judge ourselves in front of the mirror. And again, like for the mom who's listening to this, do not judge yourself. This was passed down to you too. So like this, like just gets passed down from generation to generation. And it's more than just the parents. Sometimes people are like, you know what? My patterns actually really didn't start until this stressful event happened in my life. And my parents were actually really my biggest supporters in healing that thing. So it's not always the parents, but it's interesting to go back that far and be like, what were your role models? Who were your examples in how to have a relationship with your food and body? Because then that was the snowball effect that got you here today. Like I, I find that my clients often say to me like, wow, this just gets deeper and deeper, doesn't it? <laughs> like I see food as the doorway yeah. to like, okay, the way that we approach food is the way that we approach a lot of other things in our life. Yep. And so if we just start cultivating that awareness of how are you relating with your food, then we start to talk about your relationships. We start to talk about your career. We start to talk about the events that have happened in your life that have gotten you to the point that you are today. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a lot of like, um, I kind of, you know, I love intake sessions because I, I see them as puzzle pieces. I'm like collecting these puzzle pieces of your life and trying to fit them together to understand like, actually, how is this pattern still happening? Because it served you for X, Y, Z reasons because of all these other things that mm -hmm. have happened in your life that never got um, time to process through your body. Like again, going back to that gut brain, like wow. your, your body's still holding onto it, trying to digest this life event. And mm -hmm. you, like, you're having a hard time on your own, because again, healing doesn't happen in isolation, processing this, processing this on your own. And so we get to kind of go into those past life events where then I find when you feel more emotionally satiated in your life, yep. your relationship with your food and body starts to shift and change naturally. Yes, it is all interconnected. 100% it is. Um, I think what's something, something that might be interesting to know is a lot of this is going to require us to slow down. Like while I'm eating, slow down and, and observe. I, I think it was another episode of yours talking about what does this feel like in my mouth? You even suggested licking something. Does this ring a bell? Yeah, what yeah, if I just yeah. lick this icing off a cake and then like really feel it in my mouth and close my eyes? I mean, it would take a long ass time to eat something, but... <laughs> How else can you create awareness? <laughs> exactly. Like it, it's, um, we eat so quickly and like, we're going from one thing to the next where I'm just like, okay, well, we plan for everything else in our life. Like, why is something that like eating kind of gets like passed over that it's like in the way of our life instead of like, it, it is a very important part of your day that we need to slow down with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it does maybe like slowing down like a lot at first to actually be with your food. And so there's something called the cephalic head phase of digestion, where you actually start to digest your food before you even put it in your mouth. Yep. Like when you start to think about food, uh -huh. you like, you start to salivate your body's what? like, Oh wait, is this food about to come in? Or like, while you're cooking, yes. like you start to salivate, you're smelling the food. Like we actually have to use all of our senses to digest food in the most optimal way possible. Mm -hmm. So that like you, you're not skipping over any part of the eating experience. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Allow yourself that time. I agree. And I'd be lying if I said I sit down and I have 20 minutes for each of my meals. No, I'm not going to tell you that story. I'm not either. I understand the importance of it. <laughs> yeah. Look, like I, I as much as possible try to practice what I preach. But absolutely. It happens to me too. We're human beings. We're just like, okay, I have 15 minutes in between these clients. I have got to eat something right now. So I am literally going into the kitchen, putting something in my face so I can like my blood sugar levels don't crash and I'm going into my next session. So like, you know, it's a practice. It's not about perfection. And because we are human beings and we need to eat our entire lives, it's showing up again and again and again. It's just being in the practice of you're always going to do the best you possibly can with the awareness that you have in any moment. Yeah. Oh, I love this. You guys, you have to follow Stephanie Mara. So her website, stephaniemara.com. Um, I'll link everything because I just feel your message is so important and it needs to be heard because I work with mostly women, you know, and sometimes they're just, I feel like they're just at war with themselves. Yeah. And it's just so sad. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. So let's get you in touch with who can help you. Yeah. And the the other thing is, is that what I see, so you'll also see on my website that I have a mentorship for wellness professionals and coaches. Yes. And so that, and it kind of all feeds into one another. So I really mm-hmm. love working with entrepreneurs because what I often find is that like their relationship with their food and body is showing up for a reason because they're actually trying to up level in their life mm-hmm. and they want to serve in such a bigger way in the world. Yes. And so like what I often like, if I could support someone and feeling like they are allowed to shine, yes. like they deserve their bright inner shining light and whatever it is that they want to be doing in this world and the purpose they feel like they have and the mission that they have inside of themselves, but their relationship with their food and body has been such a focus that it feels hard to get to that point. I'm like, okay, let's heal the relationship with the food and the body so that you actually feel like you can step more into your self-confidence to bring out the work that you want to be doing in this world. That's 100% true. And I can tell you like from my own personal experience, it's so freeing to have, to not have that on your things that you worry about every single day. And I can only start talking about it now because I'm, I've only just turned to that corner. Who knows when I'll have a detour, right? I fully see a detour coming up. I'm prepared for it because, uh, and I'll be, I'll be curious. Why why are you showing up again? But you, it's holding us down. Other fitness professionals is holding you down. We have to be able to level up if that's what you want. Yeah. I think even you put out a post. It was like, I think it was like a week or two ago where it was like how to navigate a bad body image day or oh, something yeah. like that. I think you, yeah, you put out a post recently about mm-hmm. that. And I was just like, yes to all of these things. <laughs> but it's like, okay, we are humans. Yeah. It's not a matter of like, okay, the path, the path of healing isn't that you're never going to have an intense body image day. It's never that you're going to maybe like feel a little bit off in your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. It's actually, you have the tools in your self-care toolbox mm-hmm. to know how to navigate those days with more ease. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I mean, we live in this society. <laughs> <laughs> Until we 
we heal the culture as a whole, that this is just not as much of a conversation anymore, this is going to continue to show up. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I forgot that you offered this course for, for fellow coaches. Can you tell me more about what that looks like? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, very similar to the somatic nutritional work that I do and that it starts there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we're kind of deepening in as food and body is not as much of a focus anymore. We get to start to attend to, okay, what is the business you want to build? What what is your passion in your life? Like, who do you want to work with? What do you feel like you were brought here to really like provide the world with? Because everyone has their unique gifts that they have to offer the world. Even if it's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're like, how would this serve people? It does on some level, Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody needs something and there are people out there who need the thing that you have to offer. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, I then once the food and body image is healed, we start to build the business Mm -hmm. where it's just like, okay, how do we get your message out there? How do we shape your message? How do we find your people? And that uh, what I find is that the more you actually step into like your life feeling just um, you're more in alignment with like, oh, I, this was, this is why I'm here. And like, this is what I was meant to share. And I feel so lit up in my life. Like then like you really hear physical hunger when it's there. Cause you're like in it and you're like doing the work. I've noticed this for myself. I'm like, I just love what I'm doing so much. This is why I'm here. Like, I'm like, oh God, I did I eat lunch? I got to go eat something. Like, it's just like it doesn't because it's not in your head all the time anymore because you're so lit up. You know, there's, I teach the difference between like emotional and physical hunger. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I like to satisfy the emotional hunger first, mm-hmm. because if you feel really emotionally satisfied in your life, physical hunger feels a lot more like easier to be like, okay, kind of what, like when we were back, when we were babies, we yeah. knew I'm physically hungry right now. Okay. I cry. I get fed. Okay. I'm full. Now I'm back to being curious about the world. <laughs> we get to kind of like go back to that place of like, okay, I'm so involved in what I'm doing and I love it. And I'm so like active in my life and like love everything that I'm doing. And like, okay, now I need to nourish my body so that I can keep doing this work that I love doing. Oh, wow. I mean, and to me, it's, that feels like freedom. Yeah. Like you being able to do what you were put on this earth to do. That's awesome. And I hope anyone listening who wants that so bad. I hope that you find the person, probably Stephanie, that can help you. (laughs) And if like, I'm not your person and you're just like, wow, she's like really energetic and just like, I get it. Like I just am a very passionate person. And like, if I'm not your person, even reach out to me because I want to help you find your person. Yeah, speaking as a fellow like entrepreneur, I find that's the best thing having a network to where like, if I can't help you, I want to have that person somewhere. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you got to meet my friend. So-and-so you'll be such a great fit. Yeah. Reach out. Oh my gosh, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Can we maybe chat again? Absolutely. Oh, I would love that. Cause I feel like we could go for another two, three hours. So <laughs> probably we need to give people a break to like, oh, go right. yourself, like, Go have like, you know, a snack or whatever. So yes, let's absolutely do this again and chat oh, some more. Their Ritz crackers. 
or maybe, you know, you're doing it right now. You're like listening to this and you're like eating your chips and like, I'm doing it right now as I'm listening to you. So yeah, let's, um, you know, there's so much to dive into. And I would even say, if you're listening to this right now and you're loving this conversation, reach out to either of us and be like, I would love for you to address this yes. in your next chat. Like we would love to hear from you so that then we can even specifically address something that maybe we missed today and you would really love to learn more about. Yeah, I love that. Awesome, Stephanie. Well, keep on doing your thing. You too. Thank you. I mean, I feel like uh, both of our work is just so important and needed in the world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm predominantly working with women as well. And I'm all about female empowerment. And so, you know, if we can support women and feeling more empowered and confident in the skin that they're in, like, how is that going to create a ripple effect in this world? And I'm just, you know, that's, that's what I get really super excited about. Right? I mean, on so many levels too, like thinking about like yin and yang energy, like we need more yin energy and that's us y'all. That's the females. So the world needs us doing whatever it is we do best. Yeah. We have to be fed. We have to be satiated. We have to be well rested to do it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All the things. And it's just like, thank you for your time and your honesty today. We've all been on our healing journeys and I resonate a lot with the healing journey that you've been on as well. Like I totally reflect in pieces that I've gone through that you just talked about today of what you've been through. And, you know, that this is where like healing happens also and hearing people talk about these things openly and being like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this. Like, I don't have to shame myself and thinking like, I'm the only person who goes through this. You're not. And like reach out so that you don't feel like you have to be hiding yourself and feel like you're navigating something with your food or body on your own. Cause you know, I mean, I would argue the people who do not struggle are the rare birds out there. Yeah. So you're so normal. You got issues. So do I. (laughs) Absolutely. Come join my girl gang. Awesome, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I will get all your information in here so people can connect, link up, reach out to us, have another episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.